0: How much time are we spending on different tasks? What percentage of our day is dedicated to sleep? What percentage of our day is dedicated to eating? What percentage of our day is dedicated to studying or working or gym or fitness or watching TV or napping or whatever it might be? To really take that critical look and see how our time is allocated and then compare that back to your visit. You know, are the things that you said are most important to you in terms of needs and interests, are those being represented in your daily activities? And if not, what changes can you make over time to really dedicate the activities that you're working on to have it align with your interests and your
1: needs? What is up, FitFarm Fam? Welcome to the Fit Pharmacist Healthcare Podcast. My name is Dr. Adam Martin. I am a practicing pharmacist, nutrition consultant, author, and lover of living life to the fullest. Each episode on the podcast, I will dispense to you an innovator and expert in the world of healthcare so they can share their story, their struggles, and best practice tips to empower you to nail your nutrition, master your mindset, fit in fitness, and take your level of impact to the next level with simple solutions for how to live with passion and purpose. Thank you for spending your time with me today. Now let's discuss how to dispense your full potential. Stress, stress, stress. If you work in pharmacy, you know this word all too well. If you work in community pharmacy like myself, you really know what this word's about. How are we to manage all the different avenues of being a community pharmacist while still taking care of ourselves? A lot of times when you have a question, you reach out to your teacher, which is why I am so honored to bring to you guys a professor of pharmacy and fellow fit pharmacist, Dr. Richard Dang, to the Fit Pharmacist Healthcare Podcast. Where we're going to discuss this exact topic and share our experiences and tips to help you overcome this and live your best life to dispense your full potential. Dr. Richard Dang is California's first licensed advanced practice pharmacist and the 2018 California Pharmacist Association's Distinguished New Practitioner, as well as an assistant professor of clinical pharmacy and program director of the PGY1 community-based pharmacy residency program at the USC School of Pharmacy. Dr. Dang is a residency-trained, board-certified ambulatory care pharmacist. His practice sites include the community-based collaborative practice clinics with the USC Pharmacies and Keck Medical Center of USC, the USC International Travel Health Clinic, and the USC Medication Management Center. He completed a postgraduate residency program in community based pharmacy practice at the USC School of Pharmacy, where he also received a teaching certificate and his Doctor of Pharmacy, Biological Sciences, and Health Communication degrees. His residency training included providing clinical pharmacy services in community based pharmacy and ambulatory care pharmacy clinics. He also completed internships at the VA Long Beach Healthcare System, CVS Pharmacy, and Kaiser Permanente. He is currently on speaker elect for the California Pharmacists Association. He is on the board of directors of the Phi Delta Chi Omicron Alumni Association and the San Gabriel Valley Pharmacists Association. Dr. Dang was also past president of the USC student chapters of Phi Lambda Sigma and associated students of the School of Pharmacy, ASSP the SC student-run clinic, and Alpha Pi Omega. His practice interests include community pharmacy practice, immunizations, travel medicine, and community health. His personal interests include leadership development, health and fitness, and amateur bodybuilding. Dr. Dang, welcome to the Fit Pharmacist Healthcare Podcast.
0: Thank you, Adam, for the introduction. It's an honor and a pleasure to join you for this podcast today.
1: Oh, it's so great to have you on, man. Um, I, I was, we were going to ask you, like, how do you fit everything in and how do you stay fit? But I think the answer is you're just running from all these different roles. I mean, man, you <laughs> wear some hats. This is a phenomenal. And, uh, guys, if you follow me on Instagram, you see the, every Friday I post the Fit Pharmacist Friday feature, and uh, Dr. Dang was one of those. And his story is really, really phenomenal, and, and I find one of the most inspirational Um, I have ever come across and being a pharmacist and a professor. I think it's really profound Uh, so so hear that in what you've gone through and and how you've come to where you are today Um, so I, I wanted to invite you to share your story of how you came into pharmacy and fitness What that journeys looked like for you and how that's impacted your life and how you practice pharmacy today
0: Yeah, thank you. Um as you know, we kind of, as you kind of read the bio and I kind of listened to all the different things you mentioned. Yeah. Like it sounds like I wear a lot of hats and that's actually part of the story and the journey that I've had, you know, kind of, kind of going through all of the different positions and different organizations that I've been involved with and kind of really building up my experience in pharmacy and kind of, going through the challenges of balancing multiple things all at once to kind of eventually realize what I needed to do for myself in order to avoid burnout um, and feeling just overwhelmed by all the different tasks that I have. Um, And so I'm excited to kind of share a little bit part of my journey, what kind of what I've learned throughout the years being involved in all these different activities.
1: Yeah, man. I mean, whew you're you've made some amazing progress, not just professionally, as you all have heard, but but physically as well. And uh, you're into amateur bodybuilding as well. Do you you want to touch on that? Is there any shows or competitions coming up?
0: You know, I don't have any shows or competitions coming up. Um, That is something that's been maybe on my to do list that I've been kind of toying around with. So possibly sometime in the future, I think I'm at a point now where I might be in the right mindset to kind of commit to that kind of activity. But when when I just got started in kind of amateur bodybuilding a few years ago and kind of weight training, all of that, I don't think I had the right mindset yet. And that was part of the growth that I had to learn to kind of figure out, you know, how can I balance work, extracurricular activities, professional involvement, and kind of health and fitness. And I think I might be at that right point to kind of consider seriously
1: doing a show. Um, So I'm gonna have to figure that part out over the next year or so. Wow man, you hit the nail right on the head with that talking about you had to get your mindset right because in, in fitness overall, physical fitness, a lot of people think, oh, it's you know just how you look, it's just being active. But especially when you get more into the extremes of competition, it is all mindset what the mind believes the body will achieve. And I've done four uh, drug-free bodybuilding shows so far. And dude, it is all about the mindset. And it's interesting because you and I met through our interest in fitness and pharmacy, not just physical fitness, but the all too often overlooked mental fitness in your journey of crafting that strong mindset that you just described. Um, So I know you touched on that, but if you could share a little bit about that transition and, and what that looked like for you when you started to see how important the mental aspect, the mental fitness is not only in um, physical fitness and your acti- active lifestyle, but also in your pharmacy profession and your professional career.
0: Oh yeah, absolutely. So I mean, when I was a student pharmacist and even when I had graduated and kind of completed my residency program, um, I think for me, I was very much focused on developing my career and getting as much opportunities as I could to kind of learn about the practice of pharmacy and to really get my hands wet um, and to be involved and kind of figure out what my place is within the profession. And I was very much segregated from all of the other things that I was doing. And at the same time, as I was building kind of my professional interest, I started revisiting my interest in kind of health and fitness, um, which is something that I ignored kind of for a really long time while I was going to um, school as an undergrad and, and pharmacy school as well. As you know, as many and, and of your listeners will know, pharmacy school or any graduate program is a very difficult time period where you're really pushed to your limits in terms of time management and stress and organization um, and all of that. And so I think that for me, I had started pretty young and kind of the fitness world. I was enrolled very early on in kind of Taekwondo classes um, in middle school and high school and kind of really progressed through that area. And I actually ended up earning my second degree black belt during high school. Uh, But then after high school, when I started undergrad, I kind of lost that a little bit. And I really took for granted kind of the importance of, you know, being involved in exercise and fitness. I was just kind of Going to the gym for the sake of going to the gym um, and kind of learning my way, I really stepped into kind of the weight room for the first time in undergrad and felt a little bit, I guess, overwhelmed, intimidated by everyone else around me in the gym. Mm -hmm. And so for like the next few years during undergrad and pharmacy school, I would just go just to go because it was kind of a fun activity, fun way to kind of kill time and help manage stress a little bit. But it wasn't something that I was taking very seriously. So it wasn't until after I had completed uh, my pharmacy school as well as my residency that I decided, you know, this is something that I think I've been interested in and I really should take some time to fully commit to that. Um, And so after the completion of my residency, I decided to sign up with a personal trainer um, who was kind of located about an hour or two hours away from where I was working um, and so I would go down to from L.A., drive out to Long Beach in rush hour traffic twice a week um, to go train with him because I had found him through Instagram. And when I was looking for a personal trainer, I was kind of looking for someone who had the right kind of personality that would match what I was looking for. Right. And I feel like I got really lucky in finding the perfect match for me. And it was it was at that point that I really delved 100 um, percent into the world of fitness. So I fully committed to going to the gym very often, fully committed to the workout plan, the nutrition plan, doing meal prep for the first time, learning to cook for the first time, eating a lot of dry chicken.
1: <laughs>
0: learning how to We've cook. all been there. <laughs> yeah, eating a lot of uh, food that was under seasoned and, and not very good, but just eating it because I needed to. Yeah. Um, so that was really fun for me. But at that point when I had just, Um, at that point when I got started, that was at the same time when I finished my residency career. And for me, those two activities, kind of pharmacy and fitness were kind of compartmentalized at two separate entities. I hadn't really made a connection between the two yet. And so in the gym, I was fully committed to, you know, going to the gym five to seven days a week, you know, weight training five days a week. I'm doing cardio, you know, 60 minute sessions, anywhere from four to six times a week, doing 100% compliance to the meal preps and all that stuff for kind of a good two years. And at the same time, having completed my residency training program, um, I was, I started my position as a clinical pharmacist at our USC medication management center with the goals of eventually getting into academia and becoming a faculty member. So I was kind of working towards that as well So kind of going full steam on both the professional end and kind of the fitness end and making great strides and great successes Um, but as I kind of look back on it 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 should be no surprise to me and everyone else that I eventually I hit a point where It was just so overwhelming and not realizing it at the time But I was headed towards being really burnt out in kind of both areas Yeah, and that is eventually kind of what happened um, and so I was still you know Both of these activities were both activities that I really loved and enjoyed doing and I was succeeding in, but it got to a point where it became a little bit too much. And that kind of led me to that tipping point where I kind of felt really burnt out in both areas. So I think a little bit, I think two years into my start of my fitness journey, as well as two years after completing completing my residency, you know, I acquired my faculty position. I was a really excited, young, new practitioner taking on all these different tasks, saying yes to everything. Um, At the same time, being really strict with diet and fitness and all of that um, and finding the time to balance all these things. But it just became too much. And I kind of lost steam a little bit. And at that point, I became kind of not interested in all these different tasks. And it took me a while to kind of get my mindset right and kind of figure out what it was that I needed to do. And I just realized that for me, at that point in my career, I was saying yes to everything. Yes. you know, I was, taking, I was continuing that mindset of being a student, right? Of like, let me explore all these different opportunities and I don't want to offend anyone by turning down an opportunity or uh, by saying no to these different um, activities. And it just got to a point where everything was just really overwhelming and everything suffered yeah. as a result. Um, so I had to really take a deep look into kind of what I was doing and how I needed to proceed and move forward, you know, and luckily at the same time, I had some really great mentors who I had met through my involvement in different organizations. I had also completed like a leadership training program with California Pharmacy Association called the Leader Development Institute, which was like a one-year program that really pushed us to do some reflection on our values, interests, strengths, and needs. Mm-hmm. And that activity really helped me move on from the stage of being burnt out to where I am now, where I feel content uh, with the activities that I'm doing to the point where I'm comfortable kind of choosing what activities I am involved in and really prioritizing myself in
1: addition to my professional needs and career. Wow. Big lessons there, man. And I think one of the most important that I can definitely agree with, and I think will serve uh, you guys listening, is the most important word that you can use in your professional and personal development. And it's the smallest word, no. The power of no. Because you will always get people saying, let's do this, let's get on this project, let's start this program, let's go to this seminar. But you have to ask yourself, is that goal my own, or is it your goal? And it, you know, I'll support you, but if I get involved, it's not my goal. So you can support someone, you know, be considerate and whatnot, but by saying no, you're being respectful to both them and you, because you are just like you said, not spreading yourself too thin, staying in your lane of what's important to you, but also to the other person. Because a lot of times we say yes because we don't want to offend them, right? We don't want to let them down. But if you say yes and you're not in it 100%, you're really doing them a disservice because they're all about it and if you're not, you're kind of dragging down their steam, right? So by saying no, don't feel like you're letting them down. You're really allowing them to go full force for what's important to them, which is great. Everyone's got different goals. Everyone's got different paths, but by saying no and staying true to what's important to you while supporting those distractions or however you want to label them, that's being respectful of both parties. So I think that's a huge point and and a major lesson that, that you shared there that I just wanted to highlight.
0: Absolutely. And that's probably, I think, the most important lesson that I took over the last few years. And definitely one of the main messages that I left with from that leadership training program that I did, just the power of knowing, you kind of hit the nail on the head there. Is like, especially as new practitioners fresh into the field, we, we don't want to offend pe- our bosses. We don't want to offend um, our colleagues, our mentors. And so we just kind of take on all the different tasks. And even though I was warned, you know, as a new faculty member, be careful what you take on, you you know, as a new practitioner, you still feel like I can handle this, I can do it. Yeah. Uh, But inevitably... Until you can't. You you can't. Yeah, you just can't. (laughs) Yeah. And I experienced that firsthand. And luckily, I was able to kind of stop that trajectory before it really became something that was too detrimental to come back from.
1: I, yeah, man. And I, I think that program you described is something similar to, I'm in Pennsylvania uh, with the Pennsylvania Pharmacists Association. They started a program called LEAD, um, Leadership Excellence and Development Seminar, which was similar, a year long program. And one of the things we looked at was the whole thing of emotional intelligence, those five components and looking at that self-awareness. And I think that's where we're going with this in the power of no. You can't know what to say yes and no to if you don't know what your own goals are, right? So that, that first step of self-awareness is so important. And I found a lot of value out of that leadership program as well. Um, but it's funny how many synchronicities we have. And even though we're different sides of the country, I love it.
0: <laughs> yeah. And it's a really interesting kind of exercise, right? Because as pharmacists and healthcare practitioners, I feel like many of us, you know, prioritize our patients, which is great. But then at the same time, we aren't looking at ourselves.
1: Exactly. Um, we,
0: we put everyone else before us. And that might work for a little bit. But at some point, that's just going to lead to
1: bad outcomes for everyone involved. Absolutely, man. I mean, you've seen because your, your focus is in community. And that's the next topic I wanted to discuss here for, with everyone is I've been in community for almost eight years now, full time. And, you know, you see so many pharmacists, unfortunately, come and go. <laughs> from that burnout from focusing on those things and they start with really good intentions they want to help people and they do just as you described they think you know if i have a lunch break uh, or if i you know take care of me that's selfish and i'm not you know i'm taking time away from the patient so they just give everything to the patient and just like you said short term that's fine but if you keep that up and keep saying oh i'm going to skip the gym so that i can you know work on the you know production or i'm going to you know skip lunch and you know binge later you know, not think that, but that's what ends up happening is long-term you start developing these habits and we are the production of the habits we create. So if you keep that up, you're not going to be going to the gym. You're going to be eating unhealthy. That's not going to only mess up your physical performance, but also your mental performance because you're going to see yourself kind of go down slowly, but you're, all you're seeing is, wait, I'm giving more to others. And because of that, I'm suffering. And now you're not functioning at your full potential. So long-term, you're really doing a disservice to those you're trying to serve by not taking care of yourself. And uh, this, is, this whole concept of self-care is such a huge issue in community pharmacy, especially. I actually wrote a book on the whole thing, uh, The Pharmacist Survival Guide to Managing Stress and Fitting and Fitness, RXU. Um, but with your experience, I would love to hear what you have seen both through your journey um, and through, you know, the residencies and everything that you're involved with uh, through your university, uh, what you see going on with pharmacy students um, and residents in, in how they try to manage that or they kind of say, oh, yeah, I'll do that later. Like after residency, I'll, I'll worry about health when they really need to worry about it now. Um, but just what you've observed through your own experiences and what others and um, in, in how you can give some tips for people that are going down that road or they don't think it's that important?
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I, I mean, one, community pharmacy is probably one of the most stressful fields to kind of work in, as you kind of mentioned. You have so many tasks and demands that are put upon you. And exactly as you mentioned, I've seen so many pharmacists, even myself when I first started, right? I'll take that five-minute lunch and then I'll just go work right away or I'll take a working lunch and whatnot. And then for students and residents, they kind of have that mentality and they see their preceptors, they see their co-workers kind of um, having that behavior, and then they model their behavior after that ex- as well, and they develop these kind of poor habits early on. And so one of the things as kind of a faculty member and as a residency program director is I try to really emphasize the whole self-care and wellness aspect with my students and my residents. And so I think that We have a responsibility to remind our students and our residents that they have to take some time for themselves, that they, you know, shouldn't always be staying late all the time to work on projects or um, ignoring, you know, their needs for food, their needs for family time, their needs for personal time. And so I think it's really easy for students, residents, pharmacists to forget about taking care of themselves because they are working on very important tasks, right? Patients, projects, you know, their homework or studying for exams, and these are all very important things, but then they forget to take care of probably the most important things, which is themselves. And I think that as someone who is in kind of a a role of supervising and guiding our students and residents, it's important that we continuously remind them of the need to take the time. So with my residents, I encourage them to take their vacation days. I encourage them to find time and activities that they're interested in. I encourage them to not stay past the time that they're supposed to when they clock out because they want to work on extra projects or because they want to help with the workflow operations. And I tell them that that's okay to leave the pharmacy, to leave the clinic after you are supposed to have clocked out, because it's not your responsibility to worry about the tasks that everyone else is working on, right? It's not your responsibility to take on the extra workload because you've already dedicated you know, eight hours previously that day. And because there's other tasks that are remaining, that's fine. Leave it for your teammates. It's great that you want to be a great team member, but you also have to worry about yourself because if you don't, the next day or next week, you're going to end up maybe feeling sick or not well enough to come into work. And then that's when the team's really going to suffer. So with my residents, I really try to emphasize that they should be engaging in some activities that they're interested in. And we are having weekly topic discussions that are not related to pharmacy or even science. And so I encourage those discussions about, you know, once a week we'll meet and we'll talk about things that you're interested in. So one resident will talk about, you know, some recipes that they're interested in cooking in. One resident might be interested in like what workouts we're doing. One resident might want to talk about like a TV show or whatnot. And so I incorporate that into our weekly discussions just to kind of bring it to the forefront that you are important and you do need to have of an interest outside of what you do for work.
1: Fit farm fam at work right there. I love it. So what you said is something that is is really important about setting the standard and kind of holding yourself in that integrity because you're a teacher. So if you're listening, you're like, oh, I'm not a teacher. Well, actually you are. In my view, at the core, we as pharmacists (coughs) are teachers. We are there to educate our patients, to teach them how to take medications, how to take care of themselves in that, in that modality. So if you yourself are not taking care of you, how are you supposed to expect the patient to listen to your advice with any seriousness? So if you're telling them, you know, they come to you and they say, oh, I just got diagnosed with prediabetes, I'm scared, I don't want to be on insulin, what do I do? And you say diet and exercise, but you yourself don't do it, and they can see that, there's going to be that dissonance, and that's going to create at some level some mistrust. So if you hold yourself to that standard, not only is it going to help yourself in the long term, but you're going to be able to teach your patients through your experience. So that's going to really help you to, you know, hey, I know you're scared. You got pre-diabetes. I understand. I went through something like that. You know, here's what I did to overcome it versus, oh, do a diet and exercise, but you don't do it yourself. Which conversation is going to hold more weight? Which one is going to deliver more impact to lead that patient to better health? That's the question you have to ask yourself, and the answer is all dictated in the actions you choose to take in your own life. Um, that's why with my book, I called it RxU, because as pharmacists, we fill a ton of prescriptions every day, but the most important one that's overlooked so often is you, your self-care. That's really what's going to allow you to stay in the game long, serve your patients better, and allow every area of your life to thrive. So I'm really glad that, that you brought that up. Um, about Dr. Dang and talking about that because it's so, so important and not talked about enough, I feel, in our profession.
0: Yeah, it's definitely something that is overlooked and definitely something that I see kind of picking up more steam in both you know the PharmD curriculum and just discussions within the profession. And I mean, that's a great example that you kind of brought up is when you talk to patients, being able to kind of pull from personal experiences really would help make a, for a more effective kind of conversation with them. So exactly as you mentioned, if you just say diet and exercise, you know, well, what specifically could they do? And if your know, patients tell you, you know, I just don't have the time to exercise. And if you're able to pull from your own personal experience and give them an example of how you fit in physical activity, that would go much further with a patient than just saying, oh, we'll try to walk around or do whatever you can.
1: Absolutely. Now, when you're we're talking about community pharmacy, that's both our area of expertise. Um, you say that there's a shift that's starting to happen and pick up steam with with self care uh, for pharmacists and really being the best version of us that we can be. As far as the whole practice of community pharmacy, uh, it's traditionally been a dispensing focused niche, but things are changing. Amazon technology, all of those things. So, in your experience as being you know residency professor. What changes are you seeing happen currently in community pharmacy practice? And what predictions, if any, do you have in what we will see down the road in the near future or distant future in community pharmacy as a practice?
0: Yeah, it's a great question. Um, So I think that the practice of community pharmacy is kind of a really exciting time right now to be in this area. Because I think that it's one of the areas within the the profession that is due for major changes, Um, that's due for some really exciting innovations over the next decade or so. So, when we look at kind of the practice of pharmacy um, from some of our other colleagues in some institutional or hospital settings or ambulatory care settings, we see a lot of their activities over the last several decades shifting from being that product-centered dispensary role to having more direct patient care activities. So as an example, you know, for our colleagues who work in hospital pharmacy over the last several decades, we've seen a lot of them move from the basements, being isolated from the hospital, dispensing medications, delivering meds to the floors, to being dispersed onto the medical teams, to rounding with the physicians, to taking on active management of antibiotics, anticoagulants, and other medication, to really becoming a part of the medical team that serves the patients within that institution. And I see a kind of a similar evolution uh, for community pharmacists over the next decade or so. And I see that shift from that product-based dispensary function to that active management of various disease states. And that's not to say that, you know, the dispensing of products is not important. That is the core foundation of what we do as pharmacists to ensure the safe, effective delivery of medications prescribed by an individual's provider. But there's also additional opportunities for pharmacists to utilize their expertise and their knowledge to really help patients improve outcomes. And so I see kind of a shift for community pharmacists um, to incorporate more of those direct patient care types of activities. And we've seen some of that momentum already through services such as immunizations that has picked up over the last decade or so. And I think there's a lot of opportunity for community pharmacists to be engaged in active management of various disease states, whether it be diabetes or cholesterol, or maybe even other things like HIV um, or other infectious diseases. Um, And so as we kind of evaluate the landscape of what pharmacists are doing, um, I think we're gonna see More community pharmacists engaging in these types of activities. And we already see it happening with some of our independent pharmacies that are really looking to kind of drive the innovation and to really be a model for all of our other practice sites. Um, There are also some of our retail partners who are also evaluating those opportunities um, as well. So, as kind of an example for the potential for what could happen in community pharmacy practice, one of our independent pharmacy sites that we work with through our residency program um, operates as an independent pharmacy. So they dispense medications for their community. They provide OTC medications, medical supplies. But in addition to all of that, they have also established numerous partnerships with different medical groups who are in the community to develop active patient managements for MTM, For the patients that they see and so they've developed individual partnerships with all these different physician groups and medical groups to be able to help their physician partners manage their patients diabetes and cholesterol on a regular basis with regular follow-up through the pharmacy and so that's a really great example of being able to balance both the dispensary needs as well as the direct patient care activities And this independent site really takes it one step further uh, because they actually have an internal medicine clinic embedded within their pharmacy. Like, how cool is that? They have an in-pharmacy precision clinic who sees patients not at their own medical site, but outside, but but within the independent pharmacy. And as a result of that, the pharmacists have regular interactions with that primary care provider, and they're able to... See patients side by side, they're able to develop very innovative collaborative practice protocols, refill protocols to really help those patients that are being seen by a doctor inside of that pharmacy. Dude, I'm sitting here
1: smiling. Like, that's so exciting. And I love how you said that, you know, the, the practice of community pharmacy is, is an exciting opportunity for innovation because a lot of people look at change and they're like, oh, I don't like it. It's scary. But it's going to come, right? It's going to change. It's going to evolve. But with that is great opportunity to innovate and make that, you know, the utopia practice that we've all been taught in pharmacy school, but then we get out and it's, it's not exactly the same. <laughs> so seeing <laughs> that there's a model that's existing and this hap- this is happening across the country, guys, this is an excellent example, but this is m- multiplying in many different areas not only independent, but there actually are some of the big chain pharmacies piloting these programs that are going on, having wellness centers in the pharmacy, having, you know, personal care concierge services with physicians in the pharmacy. So this stuff is coming and it's really exciting to see that evolve. And I think it's going to be really fascinating once that data comes out, because that's kind of how this works is, you know, they have the concept, they out, they roll it out but then they've got to have the data to back it up because then you've got payers and everything else. Um, So I think once that data comes out, we all know it's kind of like you hear a research study and the findings aren't that surprising, but having that in data, you know, published, that's going to help so much for the advancement of our profession and how we practice in the community setting.
0: Yeah. And I think we're right at that pinpoint of really accelerating the momentum for change in community pharmacy. I mean, as you mentioned, we've had so many pilot studies and research and data to really support um, kind of the changes and innovations that we want to make. And we're seeing a really big push from state agencies, federal agencies, all across the nation to allow pharmacists in the community setting to provide more services. Because at the end of the day, they do realize that community pharmacists are incredi- incredibly accessible. And we're probably one of the few healthcare providers that have regular, maybe even weekly interactions with patients as they come and pick up their medications. And every single interaction represents an opportunity for an
1: intervention to help the patients improve their health. Right on, man. I don't have time to work out. Eating healthy is not possible as a pharmacist. There's so many things to juggle. I just feel so stressed out. I can barely even keep it together. Guys, if this is you, I totally understand. I have been practicing pharmacist full-time for over seven years. I've been through the hurdles, living through the trenches, and through my time with that, have developed simple solutions to help empower you to not only fit in fitness, but nail your nutrition and master your mindset, empowering you to lead by example through living a healthy lifestyle. I put all these solutions in an easy-to-read, applicable, and simple guide for you to read in my new book RXU the pharmacist's guide for managing stress and fitting in fitness if you haven't gotten your copy check the show notes for a link so that you can get yours today and get started to dispense your full potential wow there is so much good stuff in this podcast like this was a blast like i'm i'm here smiling i'm ready to go <laughs> <laughs> it's my day off from the gym but i think i might go anyway
0: <laughs> there you go um, got pumped up for the gym
1: <laughs> yeah man but looking at, you know, what you've said, you've given so many awesome tips about, you know, staying in your lane, uh, not taking on too much the, the future of community pharmacy and how you can really incorporate self-care into your practice. Um, people that are listening to this are pharmacy students or newly graduated pharmacists. So they've either seen this happen or they're, they're starting to get that awareness that, you know, self-care might be important long-term, but they haven't pulled that trigger yet or they've tried it and fell off the wagon back into old habits. So are there some best practice tips that you can share for pharmacy students, residents, or pharmacists that are looking to make self-care more of a priority in a daily practice um, that you have seen work for you and you've seen for your residents that can kind of help them get started, get back on track, and get that momentum going?
0: Yeah, I mean I think one of the best places to get started is to really look at what we've called the vision chart, the V I S N, and that would be to really have kind of written down information that kind of describes what are your values, what are your interests, what are your strengths and what are your what are your needs. So kind of have a list of different words or characteristics in each of these four categories for your vision chart to really take the time to reflect upon just yourself, your activities, and what is it that really drives and motivates you as a person? Um, and once you've committed that to writing, to always refer back to that vision chart anytime you're confronted with a decision or an opportunity. And to ask yourself, you know, someone asked me to be involved in this activity, where does it fall in my vision chart? Does it align with my values, interests, strengths, and needs? And if so, great is that that might be a great opportunity for me and if not then feel empowered to say sorry sounds like a great idea but i can't be involved at this time and then learning different ways to say no would probably be the second place to kind of get started is there are very polite ways to say no and one example would be you know sorry i'm unable to help you at this time it sounds like a really great idea but I have another colleague who may be interested in this activity. Would you mind if I referred them to you and you can discuss the opportunity further? So that way you're not just saying no, but you're also helping the individual who made the request to potentially find a different lead who may be a better team member than you for that particular task.
1: Love that. So by doing that, you're not only, you know, being respectful of their feelings and wishes and your own, but kind of bridging that. And so that it, it's, portrayed or responded to in a way that is helpful to both parties rather than just being like, nope, not interested because it's the same answer, right? But it's not really considerate or respectful for how that might make the other person feel, which is where that whole emotional intelligence component that I touched on earlier can really be a benefit and why it's so good to do those things like work on personal development, get in those leadership groups because it'll help you to see things you might not have seen in yourself so that you can help to further those in others that you serve.
0: Absolutely. And another thing that our listeners should consider doing is kind of mapping out their day. So we have 24 hours in a day and to really take a critical look to see how much time are we spending on different tasks? What percentage of our day is dedicated to sleep? What percentage of our day is dedicated to eating? What percent of our day is dedicated to studying, or working, or gym, or fitness, or watching TV, or napping, or whatever it might be? To really take that critical look and see how our time is allocated, and then compare that back to your vision. You know, are the things that you said are most important to you in terms of needs and interests? Are those being represented in your daily activities? And if not, what changes can you make over time to really? dedicate the activities that you're working on to have it align with your interests and your needs. Because when I first did that, I really kind of realized, wow, I spend a lot of time doing things that I'm not interested in doing. Like, why is that? And so that really helps you begin the process of critically evaluating, you know, what you do throughout the day.
1: 100%, man. What gets measured gets managed. And it's so, so true, especially with time. And if you don't, if it's not a priority, if you're not focused, if you're not putting focused intention on what you're doing, it's just going to go haywire and not serve you. Um, Look at your bank, Who are you listening. Do you know where your money's at? Do you know how much you have saved? Do you know what your paycheck is? Because I'm guessing that you do because it's important. You're You're managing, you're taking track of where that's going, what your spending account is, how your budget's going. If you're trying to be financially responsible, okay? But why is that not also put into use with your time? Because time is money. So it's really the same thing. And just like uh, Richard's saying, you have to really take stock in where that's going because time is an investment. So if you're spending it, you know, 12 hours a day playing Netflix and chill, it's not really gonna serve your goals when at the end of the week, you're like, oh, why isn't my book done? Because you're doing all the stuff, bro! you got to look at, you got to take stock at, you know, what am I doing? Is, what, is the time I'm putting in, is the energy I'm putting in, is it focused? Is it intentional? Yes, you can watch Netflix. I'm not hating on it. But are you just, you know, watching Netflix until whenever? Or are you saying, okay, I'm going to watch one movie. I'm going to allocate two hours of time. And then at this time, I'm going to do that. It's not saying that you have to structure every little thing in your life. But having that awareness, having that idea to allocate that time, that's what's going to serve you so that you can both be productive in your career, in your personal life, and have fun too. So I think that's great advice, man. Okay, man, so I think all of that was really awesome for anyone listening, whether you're a student in pharmacy school, a resident, or a new or long-standing pharmacist really looking to take charge of your health to make the most out of your career. So I think that those are some really actionable steps that you guys, the listeners, can put into practice, so that you can get that momentum started, get rolling and get going towards what you are looking to make the most out of in your personal and professional life. Um, so Dr. Dang, I really want to acknowledge you and all that you have done in sharing your journey through pharmacy school, being a pharmacist and now a professor and really a leader, not only in your state, but also in our profession, in setting the standard, holding yourself in that high integrity, to be the change that you wish to see in our profession. Uh, Because it all starts with you and you're definitely doing it. So thank you so much for everything that you do for us and for all those that you serve.
0: Yeah, thank you, Adam, for the opportunity to be here. I just want to leave kind of your listeners with one, one last maybe objective, and that's really think about what is that one actionable item that you can put into practice tomorrow immediately. Write it down, commit it to writing, tell a friend, tell them verbally, and that way you have people to hold you accountable. But think about one task, whether small or big that you're willing to commit to tomorrow to kind of make a change. Cause oftentimes when we think about making change, we'll say, okay, we'll do it. We'll do it. We'll do it. But what is that one thing that you can do tomorrow that would make a difference in your life?
1: Love that. Get started on the action. Why not? Why not do it today? We can do it tomorrow, but let's do it right now. So before, when this podcast is over, Get the ball rolling. That doesn't mean you have to write a whole book, or that doesn't mean you have to, you know, give this whole big dissertation. Just do one thing. So if you've been thinking about maybe making a mastermind group, send an email to one person you think would be a part of that or help you get that rolling. Because it's it's not about doing it all at one time, but it's about always keeping that momentum rolling. And it just the little steps consistently that's what's going to lead you to that final destination. So I think that's excellent advice. Thank you for sharing that. Uh, where can people best connect with you on social media?
0: Uh, so on social media, I can be found on Instagram. So my Instagram handle is it's itsrdang, I-T-S-R-D-A-N-G. Uh, I can also be found on LinkedIn, or you can email me at rdang at USC.edu.
1: Love it. Guys, all of his links and email will be in the show notes so you can easily connect and link up with him. But I just want to say again, thank you so much for being on here. And uh, it's time to sign off, guys. So this is uh, Dr. Adam Martin with Dr. Richard Dang signing off from the Fit Pharmacist Healthcare Podcast. Be great, go forth and dispense your full potential. All right, Fit Pharm fan, until next time, I am out of here. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening to the show. If you are new to the podcast, thank you so much for tuning in. Your time is invaluable, and I sincerely appreciate you sharing it here. Most importantly, hit that subscribe button so you get a fresh, new podcast episode every single week. Also, please leave a rating and review for the show. I sincerely hope that you got at least one golden nugget of knowledge from this episode. If you did, please share this with one person who you can help dispense their full potential. That is how this community will grow organically. I don't ask for anything in return, so thank you for your action of support.